This is a Valerie Moss original podcast. Well, thanks for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've been I've been podcasting all day, so it's really cool to be like a guest. Oh my god. Awesome. <laughs> Melina Shine, Melina, M-E-L-I-N-A, Shine, S-C-H-E-I-N, and I'm joining you from Vernon, British Columbia in the beautiful Okanagan Valley, B.C. Well, welcome to my show. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm so excited to be here. It's a pleasure. Hey everyone, it's Valerie here. The lady that's the guest today on my show, Melina Shine, she's from The Saucy Soprano, and it falls into my theme of eat and create, so famously. She's vivacious and funny, and her cooking and photos of her cooking are exceptional. Although I've never gotten to try them, or the opportunity to even be with her in the same room, such is life with a friend who lives far away. We also both narrate for Audible and belong to the same study group. This is how you become friends with people, same passions, foods, and a sense of humor. Her claim to fame, though, is through her voice. She's an incredibly successful opera singer that has been put on hiatus for now due to the pandemic. So she's turned her focus to food, Jewish food. Welcome to the show, Melina. Welcome, Melina Shine, to the show from The Saucy Soprano, which you fall perfectly into my theme of eat and create so famously. She is vivacious and funny, and her cooking and photos of her cooking are exceptional. Although I've never gotten the opportunity to even try something, such as life with a friend who lives far away, we both also narrate for Audible and belong to the same study group. This is how you become friends with people, same passions, foods, and a sense of humor. Her claim to fame, though, is through her voice. She's an incredibly successful opera singer that has been on a hiatus for now due to the pandemic. So she's turned her focus to food, Jewish food. Welcome to the show, Melina. Thank you so much. It's a great intro. I feel unworthy of such (laughs) a lavish intro. (laughs) Oh, you are so welcome. Like I said in the intro, we got to know each other over our love of audiobooks and kind of becoming friends with that basis in mind. And then we just got to talking. Absolutely. So where did your idea come from? So tell us about Saucy Soprano and why the name and where did it come from and kind of 
Yeah. Well, let's see. Years ago, um, I, I, well, I've always loved to cook and mm. I've always loved being in the kitchen and being from a Jewish family, I, I kind of very naturally like to feed people or let's say push food on people, <laughs> whether they want to be fed or not. So, um, so that I've always loved. And uh, although my, my career went in a musical direction, I still kind of always fall back on all things culinary. And uh, I was on, on a cooking show on the Food Network years ago, really a long time ago, called Ready, Set, Cook. And, um, and I won that, which was really cool. I won a set of knives and, and of course, the title, which was like everything. And, uh, and then I did a little bit of a, a cooking show here in the Okanagan with a local television network. The show kind of never went anywhere, but I had... I had floated the name, the saucy soprano and nothing came of it. And then of course, COVID hit and I found myself, this is now month 10 with no career and no real source of income and kind of twiddling my thumbs going, well, you know, when, when am I going to get back on stage? And I thought, Hey, here's a chance to just do something totally different. So mm. I picked up this Jewish cookbook. It's actually called The Jewish Cookbook by an author named Leah Koenig, who lives in Brooklyn, New York. And it, right now it's it's kind of the definitive cookbook of Jewish cuisine. And it's 425 recipes. And I started in June and I said, I'm going to cook one recipe a day consecutively until I'm done with the book. And I've kept it up. I'm on recipe number 209. So I make the recipe and then I blog about it at thesaucysoprano.com. And I just relate stories from my youth and growing up Jewish and loving food. And, you know, it's mostly lighthearted, but it's also kind of a journal of, of this whole pandemic time. So when I have really low days, that I, that is reflected in my writing. And, and I'm learning a lot about my culture and food and, and connect, reconnecting with my family in a unique way, asking, you know, stories about the past and yeah. And so that's, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> it's an unusual. Wow. So the other day I was commenting on one of your posts because your Instagram is incredible. Oh, and you. I think you were at like 201. And then I thought, they can't be. Have you done 200 and some in a row? In a row. Yeah. No, like no weekends off or anything? No, no every day I'll make something. Wow. I think I've skipped one or two days of actually writing about whatever I've made, um, but I haven't stopped actually going through the recipes. And some of them are really bad. <laughs> oh. But, um, but for the most part, you know, there's some good stuff. And like I said, I'm learning a lot and becoming a better cook. So I guess it's all for something. My husband and I are getting nice and roly poly. So oh God. You're not <laughs> the only COVID-19. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where do you get your inspiration for your writing? Do you, have fam do you have funny family members? Do you have like a little story that you could read to us? <laughs> ah. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. Let's here. Let me. Well, the artichoke one was probably oh, my most favorite <laughs> okay. to date. 
But as as far as again, I, I've always loved to write. Um, I was mm. writing stories when I was little, and um, so yeah, the writing part has always just been kind of a part of my life, and I've always kept journals and I've written little mm. short stories, but never anything like that. I thought would think anyone would ever want to read and then lo and behold when I started doing this blog um I I started gaining a little bit of a following which is really nice and no kidding and your writing is so fun and so relatable and I like I read so much of what you put out there and I think that when you when you write a story and when you read a story to us today, people will understand how you're so gravitational. Like, I just want to like be your friend and get to know you more. And I think that you, you really bear and be vulnerable in your stories, Hmm. which I think is so attractive, even if it's not, you know, uh, if it's not a heavy story, even Mm -hmm. if you've had a bad day, you kind of know how to flip your story and, make it relatable and lighthearted or I don't know you just have a way of really connecting especially with me like as thank you I mean I didn't really know you at all until we kind of got into this and I don't know like I just yeah I really like your persona in person because I've gotten to know you but online especially you can sure tell a good story oh I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, just oh, trying to keep it real. Welcome. And I think, you know, I do so much reading as I know you do too. And and I I'm I'm always just inspired by the authors with whom I, I just feel really connected. Like you said, like I, I feel like I really know them and that mm-hmm. they, they're not or that they're just being really authentic. And um I don't mind making fun of myself. And I think with everything going on in the world, not just pandemic wise, but politically and everything else, like we kind of need humor more than ever. Ever. Give a, you have like kind of a formula that you do when you um, make your recipe, Mm -hmm. make your recipe. And then you have a little bit of a formula that you use to kind of go in to describe it. Kind of ambiguous. I don't know. Like you're kind yeah. of almost describe it, but you're the double entendre sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And what's funny, my mother, uh, my my little Jewish mother, she lives in Florida, of course. And uh, so she would normally be here. She comes and, and stays with me here in BC and has for the past 25 years for three months a year. And with Corona, this was the first year that she wasn't here. So to kind of make up for it. We talk every night on the phone. I'm not a huge phone person, but this is what we do to stay connected. And she actually reads me my blog before I publish it every night so that I can do edits and check Mm -hmm. for errors. So she's read through 209 blogs and the more kind of risque ones she'll, she'll be reading along. And then she goes, Oh, Melly, you're so filthy. Why do you have to be so (laughs) filthy? But it's, but I don't know, I, I get a kick out of it. So anyway, <laughs> when, that is uh, so neat. Okay, yeah. I'm listening. With the, with the recipes, uh, I have a little stack of index cards and a pen in the kitchen next to 
where I do most of my prep. And just as I'm cooking, whatever kind of comes up like memory wise or something that I think of that's funny, I'll just quickly jot it down on an index card so that I can kind of put a little bit of a story together for the, for the post of that recipe. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, I don't know if that's a formula, but that's what I do. And does your mom add anything to your stories? No, she, Mm. she doesn't. She just reads through and, you know, I, she's very honest. So if, if I intended for something to be funny and she doesn't laugh, I know that that one was a dud and I take it Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) So, um, yeah, no, she doesn't, she doesn't revise anything or add, but I do, I consult with her and, and my dad who lives in New York, my parents are, are divorced. Um, I've been talking with them strangely, you know, more through this pandemic than I ever really did before, which is sad to say, cause you know, our parents are aging and it's good to reach out when you can, but because of this project, I, you know, I send them messages and I call them and I ask them stories about, about their courtship and my childhood and Mm -hmm. family friends and family members. And so it's been really neat to kind of connect on that level. And then they give me material to write about. So, yeah. Hmm. I know our parents are full of information that you can use as a funny and you can use as a not funny. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Like no dad. That's But it's funny that you say that because I've actually talk to my dad more. My parents are also divorced. Mm-hmm. My mom is kind of, she kind of just does her own thing, but my dad and I are very close and mm. I've talked to him more now, probably since like the pandemic, same. I I talked to him a lot previously, but now it's almost like on a daily basis. So oh, wow, it's kind of nice yeah. to connect. Maybe it's so much more too that we can't see them. That's right. Yeah. So we're making up for that potentially. I think so. And, and, you know, it's, it's important, I think, to remember that there are some, some positives and some gifts that, that are coming from all of this kind of mayhem, you know, and that, Mm -hmm. that family connection, you know, however we have to do it, if it's zoom or whatever it has to be, it's, you know, it's still there, which we're really lucky for. So yeah. yeah, we are lucky we have this this Definitely. platform of visual. And just so the listeners know, we are actually on visual video yeah. tonight. So we can see each other and see our emotions, which adds to the story so much. Okay, so you got your artichoke story. Yeah, maybe? so this, uh, this was on October 29th. And this was actually recipe number 152. So the book I'm cooking through is all in different sections. So I started with, you know, breakfast foods, and then mm-hmm. went on to um, all the breads, and then salads. And this was from a section uh, that's all fried foods, which is a big thing in Jewish culture. We like to fry things. And my poor husband, Craig says, you know, why can't you just kind of mix it up and do like a breakfast one day and then skip ahead to a main dish and then do a rice course. And, but I made up my mind, I was going to do this in order the way 
the author wrote it. So, you know, this poor guy is eating like 35 days of fried foods in a row. <laughs> Anyway, um, so this recipe is uh, is actually for a fried artichoke, and it's a Roman-based recipe. And so in Italian, it's carciofi alla Giuda, which is actually artichoke a la Jude- Jewish, <laughs> Jewish artichoke. The title is This Choke is No Joke. And so I wrote, whilst reading through this recipe, I have to admit I was amused and also a little bit shocked when I was asked whether or not I had a hairy choke. It's not every day that one is asked if their choke is hairy. And to me, this is a very personal question. Truth be told, I have gone to great lengths throughout my life to ensure that my chokes are as hairless as they can possibly be. It's just a personal preference. Nonetheless, this gave me pause. Is a hairier choke better in some way? Should we embrace our hairy chokes? I mean, right now is a time of revolt. We are fighting against the industry standards. A peach doesn't mind that it's fuzzy. So why would we select or reject a choke on a similar basis? Maybe it's time to join the masses and proudly flaunt our chokes, hairy or otherwise. Remember, No one should ever pressure you or tell you what your choke should look like. In the end, you have to be comfortable with your choices and your choke. It's a personal decision. And if you have a partner, he or she would love, he or she should love you and your choke unconditionally. Although I expect that those of us in long-term relationships will, on occasion, let our chokes go a little. What? Of course I'm referring to artichokes, you gutter minds. Why would you assume otherwise and offend my delicate ladylike sensibilities? And then I go on to to talk about the actual artichoke. And the whole hairy thing is actually, and this is something I didn't know because I don't cook with artichokes a lot. Um, Inside the actual artichoke, when you cut into it, the reason it's called an artichoke is because the little core inside is surrounded by these prickly little hairs. And if you actually ingest them, they can choke you. So you want to find young, tender artichokes that are not hairy. (laughs) So, and yeah, and then it goes on and I talk about the recipe and yada, yada. So I hope that's enough. (laughs) That is perfect. So you get an idea, listeners, of how Melina talks and how she tells a good story. Because now you want to make this dish, whether it tastes yummy or not. Was this one of the ones you liked or didn't like? This one was pretty decent, actually. I mean, you can't go wrong. You take a vegetable, you, you throw it in oil, you douse it with lemon juice, like you know, it's going to be good, right? It's like tempura. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yum. Who taught you how to cook? Uh, I, I'm self-taught. Um, my father did all of the cooking in our family, Hmm. but he was very militant about his kitchen. He had a very, very high stress job as a New York city, big finance international currency dealer. And so he'd come home and he would just kind of relegate himself to the kitchen and nobody could come in. And so I didn't really learn Mm. from him other than that. I got to eat all of his delicious foods. And aside from that, I was obsessed with cooking shows and Julia Child and, you know, Mm. the food network when that became a thing. So 
just kind of self-taught. I really don't know what I'm doing. I just kind of do what the recipes say and <laughs> read all the books and watch all the YouTube videos. So that's funny because my dad is a chef. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm, and when we grew up, we were always in the kitchen with him. Nice. And he, I think my sister and I, like, I think it was in our body, in our bones to know how to like make gravy at a young age and know how to season meat and make rice peel off. Like I didn't even know what plain rice was until I went to my friend's houses. I'm like, what is this? This is plain rice. What? (laughs) Who has that? Wow. So that's kind of neat. And we were allowed in the kitchen. We could destroy the kitchen. If we were cooking, it was, everything was fine. We had sharp knives at young ages, all of that. Wonderful. That's how you learn. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I bet you're in the kitchen. I am actually. Yeah. And even like to this day, my dad and I will FaceTime all day and make batches of pierogies or batches of baking or, and we'll just do it over FaceTime, obviously, because it's what we can do now, but Still, yeah, we'll just do cooking. So that is so neat. Is your father Jewish as well? Yes. Yeah. Both my parents are, but I grew up in a very, a non-practicing Jewish home. So we, we call ourselves culturally Jewish in that, you know, we, we know all the holidays and we, we honor the, the traditions and stuff, but we, Mm -hmm. we didn't go to synagogue. We don't, we didn't pray. Um, So it's really, yeah, more of a cultural thing. Okay, okay. Mm. Do you have a big family? I'm an only child. Oh, you are. I was wondering that. OCC, only child club. Bunch of spoiled little brats. (laughs) My daughter will be in that club. Oh. she's not sure yet. So. And she's young still, right? Nine, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And my yeah. son too. Well, my son is, is uh, going to be 21, but he's in the club too. And what does he think of it? You know, he, I mean, it's, it's all he's ever known. And there were many right. times that he, that he asked for, you know, a little brother or sister. And mm-hmm. it was a, it was a hard no for me. I mm-hmm. went through it mm-hmm. once and I did, I was not one of those good pregnant people who was glowing and stuff. I mm. was not happy. <laughs> and then I was a really high strung, neurotic new mother. And I thought that, you know, I was going to like, like the cat was going to climb into the crib and suffocate the baby. And I didn't sleep for like six years. And so I didn't want right. to do it again. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's turning out okay. You know, he's, mm. he's pretty happy. And I, I myself was always surrounded by a lot of cousins. So they kind of became siblings. I write about them a lot too. And in, in the blog, much to mm-hmm. their dismay, very embarrassing. I'm sure. Stories. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It gets to be your story to tell. So if yeah. they want to tell their story, get, they get to do that. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And I figure at the, at the very least, like, this whole project is some sort of weird little memoir, right? So when, once I'm gone, at least there'll be like some documentation of that I lived. <laughs> oh, I mean, I always think of that too. When I podcast, I think about like, who will listen to this in the future? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, cause I'm not getting any younger, but mm. will it be like a, 
<clears throat> like the other day I was writing a podcast, I like my show notes and I called it an audio scrapbook. Oh, cool. And cause I scrapbook. And so when I was writing, I'm like, huh, this is like an audio scrapbook. It's like things that are important to me or people that are important to me or, you know, topics and conversation that I love and want to share. Yeah. And so I was like, huh, that is what I'm doing here. This it audio totally scrapbook. Is. Yeah, it's this little audio time capsule. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really cool. And because you always journaled, um, you must be pulling some of that history back, right? And yeah. kind of refreshing it in your stories because we have so much fodder, especially yes. being moms and moving and you know being without a job and all oh those gosh. crazy things that we're going through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very much so. Do you have a favorite dish that you've made? Have you made any of these more than once? No, only because, um, you know, cooking through 425 recipes is a is a fairly lofty undertaking. And so I just don't want to cook anything that I don't need to. <laughs> I was going to say that. I'm like... <laughs> Maybe you marked a couple of those pages in the book. Maybe we'll try this again. Yeah, I definitely have. And in, in, in the blog posts um, at the at the end, I end each post with a rating. Um, so it's one out mm. of five matzo balls. And a matzo ball is one of my favorite things in the world to eat. It's something that you eat in chicken soup and it's very traditional. And so I give every recipe, you know, one out of five matzo ball rating. And I reserve my five for the really, really, really good stuff. And I think there have only been, you know, a handful of five matzo ball rated recipes. Mm. So those I'll definitely Mm. make again sometime. (laughs) Oh, that's a really good rating system. Do you know the person that wrote the book? Yes, she actually was a guest on my podcast on Saucy okay. Talk a couple of weeks ago. She's she's just delightful. And I was so nervous interviewing her um, mm. because, you know, I've been I've been so like linked to her for the last 200 days. I felt like I was interviewing some big celebrity. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Her name is Leah Koenig and, and she, she has a few books out. Um, she's younger than me. She has two little kids. She lives in Brooklyn and mm. she's just passionate about Jewish cuisine. So we had a great talk and she loves that I'm doing this project. And every once in a while, she'll send me a, a little message on Instagram and she'll say, oh, you've got, I know you've got recipe, you know, 150 coming up. I just want to give you a heads up that you need to watch out for this and this oh and this. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Pretty neat. We've become kind of friends, so. Hmm, that's so therapeutic too, to, for her to be able to kind of live vicariously through her work that you're literally putting to the test. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it's true. And she says she's kind of, she's very invested in seeing the photos every day because it's, it's like all, every photo of every recipe she's created kind of all out there in a row. And so I can imagine as an author, as a cookbook author, that would be a really neat thing to, to see someone do. Yeah. Like how rewarding to see that. And do you do your own photography for your yeah, blog or does, oh, I you do. do. Yeah, I do. It's, it's so kind of 
ghetto e like I just <laughs> I take pictures with my with my iPhone and I have a seven so it's not even like a current iPhone but I found some little tricks and I and I got one of those um like lighting boxes it's like a mm-hmm. white white box with some really bright um, LED lights in it and somehow when whatever you put inside this box looks really good it looks kind of professional so <laughs> that's how it I've does been look doing so it. good and how they're how they kind of you have your grid. Yeah. Yeah. And at the corners of each grid, you have a similar color there. Right. Like almost like ceramic or something, right? Yeah. Or tiling yeah, yeah. or something. Exactly. And so, yeah. So it really flows so well. And like, uh-huh. ah, thank such you. a good idea. That's nice to hear. Cause food styling, my gosh, that's like a whole other thing. Goodness. <laughs> like once in a while I'll post like cookies or something. And I'm like, Man, I would not want to be a food photographer. Yeah, so it's a like whole thing. good grief, hey? It's a whole thing, yeah. Yeah, because it can look so yummy, and then you take a picture and you're like, "Oh man, I know that does not look appetizing at all." It's like gray and shadowy, and yeah, greasy <laughs> or whatever. It's like I know all the bad things that exactly. you don't want in a picture. But you know what? If we can learn audacity and be like audiobook narrators, we can do anything. So <laughs> isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. like a hard job. You know, when you were talking about interviewing um the author of this book, mm-hmm. I interviewed an author of a book I narrated. Oh wow. And when you were saying you were nervous, I was so nervous. I was like, oh, I was freaking out. And so I had to like, literally like talk myself. Okay, don't ramble. I felt like I was rambling the whole time. Totally. And he was so gracious. But Uh, yeah, I had not been, I've done so many interviews and I've never been nervous. I'm just like, I'm always just so prepared. Right. That you can't really rattle me, but I did feel nervous. So I can... I can sense what you are going through. Yeah. Although he was sense. super happy with the like the finished product. He loved the experience and he was like really gracious and and fun, but I still yeah. was like I know. Just super nervous. <laughs> I totally That's get funny, it. Hey? But it's it's also it's great publicity for him and and for my author, you know, the cookbook author. Like we're we're hopefully maybe boosting their sales or you know, introducing more people to them. All of so. it. Tell us a bit about your podcast. So when you're, when you're started with the Saucy Soprano on Instagram, because I'm assuming that's your kind of your main platform. Yeah. For your blogging. And, the, and the website. Yeah. And the website. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cause you link from Instagram to your website. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Um, how did you segue into podcasting? Um, it was really actually my son's doing, uh, he, mm. he's in he's business school. He's a great school. son. Yeah, he's terrific. <laughs> he <laughs> really a great is. son, hey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a very proud mother. Um, oh, that's so great. Yeah. So he, he partnered up with uh, a friend of his who was in business school with him and they started an audio visual business in Kelowna, BC. And then he branched off to, to do this podcasting kind of 
wing of the business, which is called Podigy Podcasts. And he just came over one day and, and said, you know, mom, like this whole blog thing is going well and you should, you should be doing a podcast. So let's do it. I'll set everything up and away we go. And so hmm. we came up with a little plan. And originally when um, this has all been during COVID, but before uh, our new restrictions came down in BC, whereby, you know, you can't have anybody in your home outside of your family bubble, and he lives on his own now, um, he couldn't come over here and run it for me anymore. So he had to remotely kind of talk me through how to do it all myself. And I had a total meltdown. <laughs> and I said, I can't do this. I can't learn one more technology thing. I'm gonna, my thing. mind is going to explode. But he was very patient in the end. And so he talked me through and now I'm kind of set up to run it all myself, but I do still send everything to him for editing. So uh, I do the podcast, I do the recording, and then I just send him the files. He does the editing and mastering, and then he puts it up on all the different platforms for me and then monitors okay. the, um, you know, I guess how it's going and who's listening and who's downloading and all of that. So I really have to thank him for it. Um, I've always kind of loved interviewing people. So that part wasn't too scary. It was more the the tech aspect of it. Um, but yeah, so we, I kind of have a sort of a, a format that, that I try to follow and I, I'll send my guests. I'm sure very similar to you. I send my guests a list of questions beforehand. And, and so we are in season three right now, uh, season one, I interviewed my singer, my professional singer friends from all over the world to find out basically how mm. they're coping because you know, our careers, all of them have just been totally like obliterated overnight. Literally, <laughs> we we were having a rehearsal here at my studio for uh, the production we were supposed to do last June, which was cabaret. And we were in the middle of a choreography rehearsal. And one of our cast members happened to be looking at his phone and said, um, the U.S. just closed their borders. Like what's going on? And literally the next day it was all done. Like everything was canceled. I lost all a year's worth of my contracts, my singing contracts, which is all of my income. Yeah. And uh, yeah, total, total craziness. So anyway, season one, I talked with, with, you know, people who are in a similar position to me all over the world. And then season two was all culinary people. So that's where Leah mm. Koenig, the cookbook author came in and various restaurateurs from around here finding out, you know, people in the restaurant business as well, what they've been going through. Season three is what is in production right now. And it's my musician colleagues. So conductors, um, instrumentalists, symphony, some symphonic musicians. Uh, that's who I'm interviewing now. And then figuring out my guests for season four, which is going to be uh, titled Heroic Healers, which are all of the, um, the medical professionals that I know of and talking to them and finding out, you know, actually being on the front lines, what's, what their life, what their lives look like. Wow. So, I had yeah. no idea. I thought your podcast was similar to your Instagram saucy soprano. <sighs> well, wow. That is a lot of work. Yeah. But all these different kind of creative outlets. Mm -hmm. um, and Avenue is going, holy smoke. So how many episodes do you have in each season? Uh, 
between eight and 10 in each season. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then my son releases them. So we drop a new one every Monday Mm -hmm. and on all of the, you know, the platforms and, Mm -hmm. um, it's been what I've found just so wonderful about it is like you were mentioning with your dad, just the connection with people that I haven't even realized I've been missing so much, you know, and then, and then I see their faces pop up on the screen and we start talking and I realize, my gosh, like I really miss everybody. And it's just such a gift to reconnect and find out what's happening in their lives because we're so isolated right now. I find for myself, it's so easy to just get, I don't know, kind of mired in this like hermit sort of feeling, right? And not reach out to anyone and and just co- sort of try to sit it out and wait it out until it's over. But then I remember like, we're all going through this. And yeah, there's not really an end in sight yet. No, no, that's, that's for sure. So it's so tough. Yeah, it's um, crazy. And so when you can connect with people, like personally and hear like that, they are going through something similar. Yeah. You know, like one, one guy I interviewed, he says, I don't want to be on video Valerie because I haven't had my hair cut. Yeah. And like, it's a really big deal. Totally. Like it's is. a really big deal to people just, you know, they want to connect, but do we have to do it over zoom or can, you know, can we do it in a different platform or being self-conscious because you haven't been able to get your hair cut? Totally. Like all those things are, they're just going to be lingering for so long with us. Yeah. So, wow. Things really have, I think, changed for kind of forever. You know, this changes all of us forever. Even when things go back to normal, we can't be unchanged after living through something like this. So. Yeah, it will be marked. Even I was doing some research on, um, like just planning ahead online. So my podcast does, I went into season two because I had changed my artwork, changed my show music and my theme Okay. for my season two. So season one was kind of reviews, interviews and my daily views. So it was still quite personal, but I wasn't really getting the traction or the interest. It was a bit too vague. Okay. So when I changed to season two, eat, recreate, it just was like, it was just, I hit home was exactly me. All of those things are who I associate with what I believe in, what I love, what I want to learn about. It was just, so that was my season two. So my season two started on episode 83. Oh, holy moly. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was like, you're going into season four, I'm like, Oh my God, how many episodes do you have? I was like sweating wow. over here. Yeah, we. I guess there's no real format, right? It's like whatever you, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, whatever and whatever works. Like this year I interviewed and worked on my podcast, but my audiobooks kind of took more of the lead. Right. Like right. just for my studio time. But now I have like bookings up until like, middle to late February for interviews. Nice. So it's totally yeah. taken a different anyways, it's yeah. I'm diving in because it's giving me this personal connection to people that I miss so much. That's exactly Even if it's over it. video, right? Well yeah, it's connection. And you know, and I'm sure you you're feeling like you 
it's just a, a creative outlet as well. And mm-hmm. it's a different one. It's different from, you know, the audiobooks and, and of course you're working, right? So you probably need your creative outlets even more. <laughs> way more. Yeah, yeah. Way more now. And just to really just stay committed to it for my sanity. Definitely. And, Sounds and like outlet. you have a great thing going and I need to tune in. You need to tune in and I need I'm to tune into to. yours. Cause I thought, Oh, your podcast would be so funny. It'll be like your Saucy Soprano food recipes. And I was like, Urch, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> Don't even like it at all. No. So. Yeah. We get into, into some more, I guess, serious stuff. But then at the end of each one, we always, I always bring it back to kind of Saucy Soprano themed stuff. And I, I teach everyone mm-hmm. a word in Yiddish, something ridiculous and funny and make them use it in a sentence. And that's how we end things. So always okay, leaving well, it on we'll, a light note. <laughs> we'll end the show. We'll end the show like that. Okay. Perfect. So, www.thesaucysoprano.com uh, also on Facebook and Instagram as The Saucy Soprano. The main website, saucysoprano.com, will link up to my own podcast called Saucy Talk and my YouTube channel and way more than anyone is ever going to want to explore. But it's all there. All right. (laughs) Got it all. Your singing is incredible. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm just such a huge fan. So when did you... When did you know you loved to sing or how did you know it was what you were meant to be? Like I, you just are just, yeah, just such an inspiration. Thank you. That's, that is so kind of you making me blush. Um, my, my mother put me in singing lessons when I was nine, I grew up in New Mm. York city. So, um, there was no shortage of, you know, culture and opportunity around and, also being an only child, uh, one of the bonuses is, you know, your parents can just go nuts <laughs> on you. So, yes. Yeah. So I, I started taking lessons at um, the Manhattan School of Music when I was nine and just carried on from there learning piano and music theory and ear training and all the good stuff. Mm. And then went into a music and art high school um, called LaGuardia High School of Music and Art. It was actually the I don't know if you remember the movie Fame way mm-hmm. back when, but that it was that was my high school where fame happened. Um, oh, my God. You just yeah. gave me the chills. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Right downtown Manhattan on the Upper West Side. And and I found a voice teacher there who who just really took me under her wing and said, you know, you need to you need to audition for Juilliard. Mm. Um, oh, for Juilliard. Yes. Yeah. And so my high school was actually right, literally across the street from Juilliard. So every morning when I'd walk into high school, I'd walk past Juilliard and Lincoln Center and the Metropolitan Opera. And, oh my God. and I'd sit at the fountain and I'd, you know, dream about being a singer there one day. And uh, so that was, it was very cool to, to grow up there and have that experience. And then, um, but I never, I never really thought that like singing was what I was meant to do. I actually applied for Columbia University to study of all things, comparative literature. I don't know what the hell I was going to do with that, but that sounds like a wealthy line of (laughs) yes. 
Totally. Right. Like, yeah, big bucks in that. Um, so I, I got into that program. And then when the Juilliard auditions came around, it was one of those weird situations where I wasn't nervous. I, I wasn't, you know, I had already gotten into the school I wanted to go to. So it was sort of like, sure, what the hell I'll audition for Juilliard where they take like three people out of the entire universe every year. A year. And right. yeah. And I think because that was my attitude and I was so like, whatever about it, um, it went really well. And I got in and I told my parents, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go to Juilliard and try to be an opera singer. And they were not, inc not incredibly supportive at first, you know, because even comparative literature is better than trying to be an opera singer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like what kid comes home and says, this is, you know, you weren't exactly. going to be a veterinarian and you weren't going to be a. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Especially coming from a Jewish family. Like we are all supposed to be doctors and lawyers mm -hmm. and, you know, or at least an accountant, you know what I mean? <laughs> Own a business. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history. I, I went and I gave up the, the other scholarship and the the literature stuff and and went to Juilliard and um right out of high yeah, school right out of high school yeah literally wow. like walked across the street and did did my four years there and met a a tenor who was studying there who happened to be from Armstrong British Columbia what the heck and yeah go figure go figure and fell in love and um and at the end of my program, um, I mean, very long story sh short, the nutshell version is that we we came here to BC to visit his family and we were going to stay for just a few months because he had been on the road and touring and singing and mm. studying for about 10 years at that point. And uh, we never we never went back. And this said, hey. came home. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you live in a gorgeous province, so. Yes. You're definitely yes. lucky on that that side. You could have ended up in Winnipeg, maybe, <laughs> or some true. crazy city like that in Canada. Yeah, no, not that Winnipeg isn't beautiful, but nothing like British Columbia. No, it's it's a pretty special place, and life, you know, life takes some crazy turns. I never, twenty years ago, would have ever thought that I was going to be living here doing this, but. Here I am, and I have a beautiful kid to show for it, and uh, no regrets, you know? Did you move right to Vernon, like right to the Okanagan Valley area? Yeah, we actually okay. lived with uh, my, he's now my ex-husband, the tenor from Juilliard. Mm. Uh, we lived with his parents for about a year while we were kind of shipping all of our stuff from New York mm -hmm. to here. I mean, it was a whole thing and there was lots of other stuff going on, mm -hmm. but yeah. So we actually lived in Armstrong first for a few years. And then we, we started a baking business. My gosh, I'm getting into so much history here. And from that, we were able to buy our first teeny tiny little house. It was built in 1904 on the main street in Armstrong. So here I was a, a girl from Manhattan. That was the only place I'd ever oh lived. God. And I'm living in Armstrong, smelling cow manure and, you know, wow. meeting farmers and stuff. <laughs> so it was uh, a couple of years of real culture shock. And, uh, and then of course we found out 
that we were going to have a baby. So, right. um, yeah. So then eventually to Vernon, which is, which is where I am now. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I spent some summers in Vernon growing up. So, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I quite have a fond memory of Vernon. Wow. You're singing. You got into Juilliard, then you were singing, and then you moved across the world to another country, a tiny little place, because now you're totally set up there. Like yeah. You have your little businesses. Mm-hmm. Well, they're probably bigger than what I would imagine, but big businesses going on there, and you were such a mentor to all these little beings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and are you, I know everything is probably on hold, mm-hmm. but when it starts up, like, tell us a bit about that side of your local business. Yeah. You can say it that way. Well, I started, uh, my my ex-husband and I started uh, a school, basically a, a training and vocal performance school, which back in the day was called Studio Moore, which was my married name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took over the business and now it's known as Valley Vocal Arts for Okanagan Valley. So um, I run classes and I teach lessons and I do all kinds of workshops and I have students ranging in age from really little, I start them at six, um, Mm. all the way up to um, actually, surprisingly, the the majority of my my student body is adults. So I teach a lot of adult singing classes and technique classes and acting and all that kind of stuff. And then they perform all year round and we do recitals and cabaret nights and all kinds of stuff. So it's really just this wonderful, very close knit community of people, you know, doctors and, and teachers and people from all walks of life who have that one commonality and that they just love to sing. Mm -hmm. So Corona really was, I mean, I thought it was hard on me. And of course it it has been on me and all of us, but you know, my singers have just felt so totally lost because this was for some of them, this is their entire social life and it's their creative outlet and it's um, it's their community and it's, you know, it's just been taken away, Um, but it will, it will come back. And then the other business is called Big Apple Productions, and that's where I um, I produce and direct shows. So we do two to three big performances a year, like you know, fully staged and costumed and licensed. Um, some of our highlights over the years have been uh, we've done Les Misérables, Fiddler on the Roof, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, the Pirates of Penzance, you name it, we've, we've done, we've done quite a few. And uh, we also do, I produce and direct the Rocky Horror Show every year. Mm. And I rent out this big old barn in between Armstrong and Vernon every October, and we convert it into this crazy theater in the round. And everybody, like all the audience comes in full drag with their props and we go all out. And when I first had the idea to do this, like people thought you're insane. Vernon is not ready for this, but it turns out they were. (laughs) Oh my God. That's been quite something that ran for five years. 
And as I mentioned, uh, our, produ- our last production that we were supposed to do was Cabaret, which is a, a fantastic piece of theater from Candor and Ebb. Um, the movie, of course, had Liza Minnelli and and uh, it was, it's just fantastic and, and very poignant and very relevant to today and mm-hmm. political climates and everything. And we were probably, I don't know, three or four rehearsals in and then and then everything kind of stopped. But wow. when it comes back, that'll be our next big show. And um, so that's kind of my my life when when things are not um, pandemic pandemic. <laughs> Right. (laughs) And then I tour as well, um, just to keep up my own singing and and my own performing. So life is is pretty busy normally. And, and, um, you know, this to have this time kind of forced upon me is weird, but also, you know, there's there's a lot of good things about it, too. Mm -hmm. It's just such a different side to to somebody who is needs so much creative outlet. And now you have to channel it into this different piece of equipment. Totally. Like a microphone or like reading audiobooks or. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's so different. It is like my, my normal days were just packed with people, like surrounded by people morning to night, you know, and days would end with giant rehearsals and some of my big productions, you know, involved upwards of a hundred people. And, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm, I'm alone in my studio talking into a microphone and yeah, but, um, I, I, I'm embracing the introvert in me because I, I actually don't really mind being alone. It's, uh, it's just different. I'm the same. Like I love to be around people and 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 have that rubbing shoulders and that you know energy vibe but I'm okay with this too yeah I know totally. it's I definitely get that. different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so who who was funny around you when you were growing up mm, um... were your cousins funny Did your mom and dad dry sense of humor or witty like, where do you get that funny bone from? Gosh, I don't know. I think, um, no, my my parents are very lively. And I don't know that I'd call them funny, but I guess in their way that they are. Um, my mother is uh, famous, infamous for embarrassing me. Like, she just has no filter and she says whatever is in her head at any moment. Um Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I grew up with. And my dad is just this really loud, brash Argentine man with a thick accent. And I would call him more scary than funny, but I guess, I guess he's funny in his way. (laughs) They always had lots of friends and, and their friends always found them to be very entertaining. So yeah, my family was loud. That's the big thing. And so I, I think a lot of that just has stayed with me and I just, I just put it out there, you know, you just belt it out when you're on stage, right? <laughs> that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your most popular show, maybe episode podcast episode or saucy soprano post? Mm. Do you know what and I why? Don't. You... I, oh. Yeah. I'm not 
I'm not sure. Do you mean, you mean like from the podcast? Like, yeah. Like, or like people who commented or got the most reaction or. I don't know. I don't know that I can kind of pinpoint it to one, but I will tell you, like, I was a total Instagram virgin before um, I came up with the saucy soprano thing. I had an Mm -hmm. account, but I never did anything with it. Um, And I actually turned, it was my big Apple productions account. And I actually turned it over to uh, one of my students because she, she went to school for like PR and marketing and stuff. Mm. So she just ran it all for me. And, and then a friend said to me, once I started doing these blog posts and recipes, she said, you have to put this on Instagram, like immediately. So Mm. I learned about it and I, and I started posting and I'm shocked that, you know, there's a nice little following now of, I don't know, about 4,000 people. And, and they actually comment all the time and they read the blog and they mm-hmm. make remarks. And, and I'm looking, I, every day I look at these comments and I'm like, who are you people? Why are you reading this? Why are you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not even my mother or my family, you know? And, right. and, uh, and it's really cool. And they're all over the world. And I've had a couple of requests to be like a, a spokesperson for different products and stuff like a, Mm, a special frying pan and yeah right, right. And vegan truffles from London and so it's just to me that is so astounding that you can reach people literally just like globally um on that platform so crazy yeah mm-hmm. so I've really been enjoying that aspect of it and that's been a huge learning curve because it's a lot of work to keep up with social media my goodness you know <laughs> And not even that you post daily, you have to like make something and like buy the ingredients and then yeah, do all the everything's and then write a story and then do your post and totally. like it is a major. Do you have a set schedule? Like, are you pretty regimented when it comes to your little adventure here? Your I big am. adventure. I am just, I I think that just born out of necessity, like um, I need structure and I I really Mm -hmm. kind of thrive on routine. And I, I will admit that when everything shut down in the middle of March, I spent two months almost to the date, like eight weeks. I went out and I bought, and I didn't go out. I ordered online a Nintendo switch and the game animal crossing. And I sat on my couch and I played that from morning to night for two months and ate chips. And after eight weeks, I thought I cannot keep this up. This is heading down a very scary path. Well, we didn't think it would last that long. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I turned off the game. I said goodbye to all my Animal Crossing friends and then just started this. And I, and I actually wrote myself, hand wrote a schedule and I said, okay, from here to here, I'm doing this. And through all that, I had taken a couple of the audiobook courses. So I was teaching myself, Mm. um, audacity and, and the, the ins and outs of ACX. And yeah, I literally got off my ass off the couch and realized I, I needed to do something because there was no real end in sight. And there still isn't right. We're closer now, but as far as the arts are concerned, like uh, some of my contracts that were booked for 2020 were then moved to 2021. And I just found out from some of my producers that those have all now been pushed to 2022. So I could be looking at 
a whole extra year with no, you know, no career in no the way previous, that I know it. Yeah. Previous life coming back yet. Right. And I know it will eventually, but it's going to be a while. So it will definitely take some time. And like, even just to go back to not even normal, but where you can sit and have coffee with somebody or, you know, yeah. Like I was talking to somebody the other day and she was going to come and be a guest. I actually read an article of hers that I loved and I produced it for her. And so I, and so I wanted her to be come on as a guest and she says, I just can't come right now. It's just too busy. And I said, Oh, you know, one day you can come and our kids can play in the backyard and we'll sit in my studio and drink coffee. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just not sure if that will ever happen. I know It will though. Like it will, but it seems really far off right now, but it will. It'll be far off. How far off do you think? Like they say the the Spanish flu lasted two years. We're in a year in. Do we have another year of this to go before we'll be walking around without masks? I just keep thinking back to, you know, when they, when all this started and they were first talking about vaccines and the estimate was like, you know, maybe in two years we'll have a, a viable vaccine. And today I read an article that people in BC are already being vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is just like astounding. You know, we didn't, we didn't have that during the last plague and just astounding how like all of science and medicine came together and rallied. And I think that that should give us all a lot of hope. The fact that things are happening so fast to bring this to an end. I so, know. I really thought that was incredible when scientists from all over the world just rally together to have a common goal, not be first or, you know, yeah, not have ego in the way it was for the people, totally. the better for the people. Totally. So is there anything you want to ask me before we wrap up? Well, I would actually love to have you as my guest. We can, we can just keep going back and forth. You'd be okay. my guest. I'd be your guest. Okay. I'm in. So, I'm yeah. In. So I, I'm going to plan soon um, whatever season five is going to be. And I and I would love to, I just want to get you in there because I have a million things I want to ask you. And I think you're so fascinating. And I just have to throw out there that I so love the fact that you know, you've thrown yourself into this whole new thing with ACX and Audible and being a narrator. And not only that, but then you reached out and you created this whole group and this forum and this community for people who are learning Audacity, the program that that we work with for editing. And, and you know, every almost every day on ACX, I will see your name come up because some newbie will will write a post and say, you know, I, I'm new to this and I'm just looking for a little support. And and some random person will say, you have to meet Valerie, you know, because Valerie is so, so I just crazy love that you did that. And like, you know what? Today I had this this guy reach out to me and I'll read it because it's okay. totally hilarious that you brought that up in our thing. I won't put his name out there in case he's shy. Yeah. Um, but he, can I find it now? So 
This is what, yeah, so I found it. New narrator. Many have sent me to you. Please add me to your group. Thanks. So I said, send me your email. Glad you found me. So he says, even if you are from Calgary. Oh, my God. There's rule. So I said, Oilers are in Edmonton. I'm a Flames fan. So he says, so sorry for you. And so I said, and then he goes, born and raised in Edmonton, LOL. I said, oh, I lived there for many years, too. I won't add you. I won't hold it against you, but I'll add you, I say to him. Hilarious. No so he'll be in our group. I know, it's not hilarious? I'm I like, he must it. be an Albertan with his Oilers <laughs> attitude. But, but yeah, it, so... Yeah. It, we have over 60 members. That, that's amazing. It's to me, it speaks so much to just who you are and the fact that you're just like a natural leader and moderator. And cause you know, it takes not only the amount of work that you, that you put into it. And I, you know, I followed right from the very first one and how organized you are. It, it just shows like you really care to put in that time and to bring people together. And I just, I knew right away you were someone that I really liked and I wanted to be friends with. So I'm so happy that that happened. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah, me too. I just felt so isolated, not because of COVID, which I mean, was there, but yeah, it didn't help. You know, when, yeah, but when we record, we're all alone, we have nobody. So if you're like stuck on a word, or you are having trouble with your um, production, it's like all on you, man. If you screw up, it's so stressful. So I needed a community and I'm glad we have one now. And that's, it's all to you. Like you created the community. So like, I just, I have so much respect for that. And, uh, and I think that everybody is super grateful that you did that because no nobody else took you were the one that took the initiative to do that and uh, so crazy. And it's awesome it's so it's awesome. very fun we have a really great time so yeah. well thank you for saying that Aww. thank you for spending the time with me I know we've talked a lot let's get together and have a glass of wine or let's get together so we should do that we we absolutely should like I said it's I can, I can, I can no longer make the excuse of, I don't have time, blah, blah. I just, I really get like, so kind of mired in just my isolation and all, and the stuff that I'm doing that I I just don't even think to like connect anymore. Like really the podcasting is, is the only way that I really connect with anyone outside my home anymore. Um, and it's it just, it is what it is. So um, I, I know that I'm someone who needs the encouragement. Like, okay, we are meeting on this mm-hmm. day. At this time, you're going to have a glass of wine in your hand. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to gab for a while. So. If you're like me, which I believe you are, you put all your thoughts down. So you're really focused and you're... Um, it's really important to you to get your information across and have the dialogue. So it's not casual. It's like a purpose. We have a purpose to our discussion today and it makes it so much more valuable because you put the effort in to do your research on what I'm asking. I put the effort in on the question part Mm -hmm. and then we can kind of go off on our, on our tangents. 
Totally. So. It's like a little mini show. Like you're, you're on almost as a performer for that period of time. And then at least for me, I can be on and I'm really good at mm. it, but then I need to turn off <laughs> right. and, and recharge. And uh, so, yeah, I totally, I, I get that. I really do. Do you read? I do. Yeah. Okay. So give me your most favorite book of all the land. Oh my gosh. That's a tall order. I guess of all time in the entire world um, mm-hmm. would have to in be. In infinity. In infinity. It would have to be um, <laughs> Gone with the Wind, Margaret Mitchell. I, I oh my God. grew wow. obsessed with it in high school and I read it. Uh, it's probably the longest book I've ever read, mm-hmm. like the biggest book mm-hmm. I've ever read. And I read mm-hmm. it 16 times. I did not stop. I just read it over and over and over again. And I don't, I still to this day don't know why it affected me so, but it did. And it, it really sparked like a lifetime love of reading. So, and I love to reread things, which I know is kind of like, I get down on myself for that because there's so much out there to keep reading. You could read for your whole life and never run out, but I love reading things because I love catching all the things that Mm. I didn't catch the first time. So that. right now I'm rereading everything by Anne Lamott because I love her so much. Mm. And um, yeah, and uh, I just over over the pandemic, I've read everything by Ruth Reichel, who is a food writer. She used to write for um, Gourmet Magazine and it kind mm. of ties in with some of the stuff that I'm doing now. So yeah. Is she Jewish is, as well? Yes. Yes, she yeah, is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and a New Yorker. And, and I oh, just- Oh, fun. I love- how how her words flow and how descriptive she is and you feel like you can just taste anything she's describing so um reading is life it Mm. really is me too so I have a book for you okay since this is my most favorite book so I had one before I read this one and now this one's kind of like itched to the top okay so it's called where the crawdads sing (gasps) Have you read it? Of course I have. <gasps> I have. It is magnificent. No. Yeah. That, is, oh, I got goosebumps thinking about it again. <laughs> and I'm going to so reread ha- it. <laughs> so I have a, I, I wrote a podcast on it because I just oh. fell in love with that. Like even to talk about it, I get choked up. Yeah. Even when I was reading my, my show notes, I was like, oh, I had yeah. a frog in my throat. It, it like, affects you that way. Yeah, I totally. It is like one of those books that like permeates your cells. And mm-hmm. especially as a woman, like yep. growing up and going what we go through. And ah, uh, I know. Is it a movie okay. yet? Not yet. Not yet. I'm, but I'm Not sure that's yet. that's coming. Must be. Yeah. Okay. So my second pick then. Okay. <laughs> if you've already read that one. Oh, yeah. Is Daughter of Fortune. By Isabel Allende. I am writing it down. I'm writing it down. Right and, now. I know the author. Yes. She very rarely um, publishes in English, though, because she's Argentinian, I think, from Argentina. I think so. Daughter of Fortune is okay. So she, that book would be My Gone with the Wind. 
So I read that book. I got it when I was like 24 years old. Okay. I wasn't really into reading before then. Like I read typical kids books Mm -hmm. um, growing up. But then I had like a span where I didn't really get into anything. And then I got that for my birthday. And that was like the first book that I cried and laughed and, you know, just, I was just so indebted to the story, mm-hmm. like where the crawdads sing. Yes. Like I was just indebted. I just I never wanted to finish the book. And then when it ends, you feel like you, you like lose the will to live, <laughs> you know? Like, I was so depressed after. Yeah. That's I didn't the want one to start downside. a new book. Ah, oh, I know. <laughs> I didn't want to start a new book for fear I was cheating on that one. Oh my gosh, I so understand. I so understand. <laughs> yeah. So. It's the, the power of great storytelling, you know? I know. Anything you would like to. Okay, so let's end. In a Yiddish word. Okay. Um, okay, so give me your best. Okay, let's see. Uh-oh, she's getting her show notes out. <laughs> I'll go easy on you. What would it's be... It's a clipboard. It's purple. I have a purple clipboard. Um. Okay, how about... Well, this is a word I use all the time in my blog. Uh, it's even in like the, the subheader, like the title. And it means, I'll tell you what it means first. So the beauty of Yiddish is that it's a language that is so expressive that it can't be translated into English. Like there's just no translation that can do most of the words and the phrases justice. And Mm. Yiddish is so particularly great with like curses, like cursing people. Yeah. So I'm, okay. I'm on I'll, your page. Yeah. I'll spare some of the, cause I don't, it's probably, it's probably a family podcast. Um, I can make this one explicit. <laughs> it's fine. We'll be fine. So I love the word that means um, totally crazy, totally ridiculous, insane, but it means so much more than that in Yiddish. And the word is Meshugana. 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 And so if I were going to use it in a sentence, I would say something like, um, you know, this pandemic ha- is making me meshugana because um, because I don't know when it's going to end. And I've started all these crazy projects that I don't know if I'll ever finish. So I'm meshugana. I'm crazy. So now, mm. now you can now you use it in a sentence. OK, I got one. OK, so homeschooling. Oh, no. My eight-year-old for grade three mm-hmm. made me Michigana. Was that right? That was so perfect. Okay, good. That was just perfection. <laughs> and so appropriate. Was it? Oh yeah. It like like oh, man. can we add I'm a teacher to my resume? Oh gosh. Well, yeah. I like I like mastered it. I had like six hot months of teacherhood here. Crying, laughing, <laughs> time out for the kid, time out for me. Meshuggana. Meshuggana. <laughs> yeah, I totally. think there's nothing you can't do. Like you should be prime minister. Oh, maybe I'll just um, work yeah, on put, that. Put that on your list. <laughs> put that on my list of things I need to investigate. Yes. Like the crafting and the scrapbooking and the audio, but like 
you know, and the cooking and the homeschooling. My God, prime minister. Easy. Oh, I feel exhausted. Stop this <laughs> to get out my daily tasks. No, it's Meshugana. It's Meshugana. Well, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Well, wasn't that just the best interview? Since I can't have people in my studio, Zoom is great because you can actually see the person. This is my friend that I met because of our love for producing audiobooks. She thinks I can be prime minister? What a compliment. Thanks, Melina. And to close, here's a clip of her podcast to inspire you to listen to another Canadian podcast show as a product of COVID. Be sure to share this episode with like-minded cooks and Jewish ladies, or any ladies for that matter. Get inspired in the kitchen by following Melina's posts, as her writing is sure to make you have a giggle here and there. She even sings to a pickle. Yep, it's a true story. Until next time, I'm Valerie Moss, your host, from Studio 17 in Calgary, Alberta. Have a great day. So I went and did it, and I played this game of rugby. And I had a great game. I had a really good, you know. So yeah. then, And then I had to drive all the way back up to uh, Bradford, where this, uh, this performance was being done. And I got up, by the time I got up there, my hamstrings had seized up. <laughs> so, right? So I, I couldn't bend. No, I didn't, I didn't think any more about it. That's okay. I can get through this. So when I caught Christine at the, the mirror and I spun her and then I took her back to the bed and I went to lay in, in the bed and I realized I couldn't bend my, my legs. <laughs> no. so, so I threw her from just lobbed her and a little face because she was all asleep and all of a sudden, oh, Because <laughs> she dropped about two and a half foot. Links to her and everything we talked about are in our show notes. And to close, here's a clip of her podcast. To imp- and to close, here's a... Cl-